Kathy. How's it going? What up? Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. It's September 8th, and we're here at the show, and I believe you have some events you would like to start with. I have, mentioning. I have uh, an ah, an event. Oh, an event. One event. Here she comes. This one is in Orlando, Florida, from October 22nd to the 24th. Nice. It is called Spooky Empire. Ooh. It's an American multi-genre convention mm-hmm. focused primarily on horror and science fiction. Mm. It's held twice a year and is billed as the dark side of Comic-Con. Oh. And it hey. has over 50 tattoo artists, costume contests. Listen to some of the guests. We have Scout Taylor Compton, Michael mm. Bean. Barry Bostwick, David Naughton, Tom Sizemore, Danielle Harris. There's some wow. good peeps are going to be there. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So if you're over there or you're in that area in October, check it out. Right on. Looks cool. It looks, that sounds cool. I mean, we're not going to it, but it we sounds not. awesome. But we have plenty of stuff to do here in the Los Angeles area. So I am not wanting to bogart all the Halloween-ness. I want everyone to have it everywhere. Right? There's plenty of it. <laughs> well, and I love that. That yeah. means that the people that Spread listen to our love. show, there are lots of love for the true crime and there are lots of love for the horror flicks. And they very neatly go together because some of it's pretty horrifying what we read about in it's the news true. that's happening for real. So today on the show, what we are going to do, I'm going to throw out a little bit of horror news here real quick. Then we will do our horror facts with Kath game that we have started in Season four, where we talk about some stuff at the beginning, and then she gives us the answers at the end. We're also going to dig into Friday the 13th, part one, (laughs) the original movie. It's not actually part one. It's just Friday the 13th, and then Friday the 13th, part two. We're going to dig into those a bit today. Do you know who you sound like right now? Um, I don't know why the intonation of your voice and all that. When we do the backlot tour... Halloween Horror Nights, and they have, they have the person talking over the thing. Like in the little tram? Yeah. Okay, cool. You just, you just had that, My like, next job? Yeah, you had the energy, but specifically the Halloween one for okay, some Okay, because I'll just quit my job. And you know, Chucky's always on the on the screen, remember? Love yeah. the Chuckster. We're going to do Friday the 13th, part one and two, and then we're going to do our horror watches, and we'll get to the answers, and that'll be that. So... I want to mention that the Nicolas Cage movie, Prisoners of Ghostland, which I've been talking about since January because it was at Sundance, the virtual Sundance that we had, it's turned into a prequel comic book that's now available. (laughs) The English language debut of Suicide Club director Sion Sono, he's done a bunch of movies, but he directed Prisoners of Ghostland, is coming to theaters and on VOD and digital September 17th. Wildest movie ever made is the quote, and I'm not going to disagree necessarily with that. If you don't remember, this is a movie I talked about where if you would like to see Nicolas Cage as the straight man, meaning the one who's not the craziest thing going on, he's literally the center of this movie and he's the normal one. Well, that's odd. Yeah. So I can tell you that this is a very strange movie. <laughs> that, that in itself <laughs> makes him odd. Thank you very yeah. much. That is my summation of that movie. That is my review. And that is how I've intrigued others to watch this movie. I mean, it's not everybody's jam, but it's certainly worth checking out. We've learned this week that the film has gotten its own prequel comic from Patriot Comic Books, which is said to set the stage for the upcoming feature film. It's a 25-page tale. Featuring Nicolas Cage and Nick Cassavetes, two notorious outlaws execute an elaborate bank heist in an East meets West stylized town. Ooh, a Western. When his accomplice goes full on psychotic, Cage must decide whether he wants to escape or have innocent blood on his hands. See, he's not the psychotic. Even right. in the prequel comic, he's not the crazy one. Okay. Just saying. So, so we see it. So you can check out that comic and then watch the movie because apparently the comic book is a prequel. Also, I wanted to mention that Stephen King's Salem's Lot returns to life with James Wan-produced 
movie oh, starring wow. Lewis Pullen. They're doing a new take on Stephen King's vampire story, The Sameless Lot, for New Line. And I believe the director is the same person who, or no, wait, the person who's writing the script and will also direct Did It, The Nun, Annabelle Comes Home, this guy named Gary Dauberman. Okay. So apparently they cast Lewis Pullman. So they're just in the casting stage. Going to be a minute. I don't know. I'm excited. I want it. I want it to personally be a scary, (laughs) scary vampire movie. Personally, Uh, this one hasn't been done in a while. No, no. And I mean, it's it's lofty goals to put it up there. But I would love. I love scary vampire movies, so I am completely game. This next segment is a little thing we like to call. You blew out the speaker again. I love it. Ah, yes. I think I'm done. That took everything out of me. (laughs) Yeah, the end. (laughs) Let me just play the outro music. (laughs) Go for it. Okay. If you have not watched or listened to our episodes of season four yet, we are doing this a little bit differently. Shannon will be asked five questions today. Shannon will write those answers down and not tell me until later on in the show. And we'll see how many she gets correct. <laughs> Meaning you guys see if you can get them correct and stick around to the end and see if you're right. What cult movie is known as one of the best horror movie kills of all time? Okay. It has one of the, one of the best and it's sort of known for that. Do you want me to give you a hint? Yeah, I, I need a narrower. It's a zombie flick. All right. Because that could be so many things. Yeah. Okay. One of my faves. Okay. Number two. Another hint. <laughs> the Vent Haven Museum and International Convention are the home to the horror villain that causes automatonophobia <laughs> if you are frightened of it. So you have automatonophobia if you are frightened of this. And the Vent Haven Museum and International Convention are both known for this. Okay, you're afraid of automated things. Number three. <laughs> Meaning robots? Okay, go ahead. What are the four main ingredients in candy corn? Oh, no, sugar. No, I don't know. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you got all of them already? No, I'm, oh. no, I was thinking out loud. My apologies. It's pretty, at least three of them are very obvious to me. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Uh, which DC comic was the most popular Halloween costume of 2020? Okay. Hmm. And number five, why is Friday the 13th considered unlucky? Okay. There it is. So here's what's going to happen is I'm going to think about that. I have written some of my answers down. There's one answer that I'm worrying in my head about whether it's this or it's that. So I'm going to take a moment to decide. And then we are going to talk about Friday the 13th and Friday the 13th part two when we come back and keep your answers. And then at the end of the show, Kathy will answer all those questions and I will get them all wrong. So we'll be right back. <laughs> I don't know. It makes me laugh. That just makes me laugh. Clowns. Welcome. Today on the show, we are going to talk about the 1980 movie, Friday the 13th, the original. And we're also going to talk about Friday the 13th, part two, 1981, the very next year. Because, you know, this whole thing started a ca- as a cash grab, in case you didn't know. It really did. They uh, they were wanting to, and I know all of you Friday the 13th files will know all this, but for those of you who are not obsessed with the Friday the 13th, I'm speaking to you. It was done for a $500,000 budget. They originally wanted to rip off Halloween, basically. They had a title and a poster, and they put it in the paper, and that's when then they decided, okay, that now we should get a script because everybody got excited. So it was definitely a cash grab. Well, I think he wanted to, Sean Cunningham wanted to come off. Of, he was working, he had worked with Wes Craven on Last House on the Left, which was a really, really messed up and, and horrific movie, banned in a number of places. And that was a cash grab off of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Totally, yeah. 
I think Last House and Left was his first. But it was really, so this was like, he wanted to, you know, separate himself from that a little bit. Well, and he found the next thing that was a cash grab. I mean, honestly, it's like Last House on the Left was was a cash grab based on the torture porn type of horror and like, oh, that's popular. Let's do one of those. So they did one. And then Halloween became really epically successful. And he's like, oh, okay, well, let's let's rip that. I mean, he's real clear. He's not, he doesn't hide. He's like, well, let's rip that off and, and do our own Mm -hmm. take on that and make a bunch of money. So let me just, for those of you who may or may not know the OG, a group of camp counselors are stalked and murdered by an unknown assailant while trying to reopen a summer camp, which was the site of a child's drowning and a grisly double murder years before directed by Sean S. Cunningham. Writers are Victor Miller and Ron Kurtz. Betsy Palmer is amazing in this and had a, got a lot of shit for her part in this because she was a, a really well-known, like, serious actress. Siskel and Ebert, I don't know if you know this story, Siskel and Ebert reviewed this, and I think it was Siskel that... She was so great in And this. then published her phone number and address or some shit like that. What? And it ended up being the wrong phone number. Like, they accidentally printed it the was wrong it phone number. Was it That was it. Mm-hmm. So he never... I don't think that song was out yet, maybe. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> I think, think so. I think that was the 80s. The screenplay for this was written in 1979. Yeah, so anyway, published her... How bad do you have to be of a reviewer to do something like that? Thinking he was publishing the right one, and, you know, Betsy says she never got a call, so it'd be, and it, what ended up happening is it was the wrong number, thank goodness. But, like... Literally instructed the audience to call and tell her why. What a weirdo. Yeah, right? Like, what is happening right now? Can you imagine if someone did that now? We have the internet, so they don't have to. They just harass them on social media. It's the same type of situation. But, oh, man. So this movie's 95 minutes long. Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, as an unknown one of my favorite kills in horror. Yeah, it's a great one. <laughs> and in that nasty ass wet camp bed to that <laughs> prison mattress, I call it. Yeah, please, we please it. talk about your problem with dirty horror. <laughs> oh, I mean, that that camp looks so filthy. I'm like, they all come in just drenched. You know, everything in there probably smells like mildew and mold. And they're all like crawling in there and sleeping. I'm like, whoa. And I mean, I love camping, but I'd rather be in a tent than that. That's disgust- That was like a prison mattress. <laughs> so the bad guy in this, is Jason Voorhees, as we all know. Well, but not in this one. No. The bad thing about this is that you go back and watch the original if you're like all into it or you don't know that much about Friday the 13th and you go back and watch the first one and you're like, wait, Voorhees isn't the bad guy? Well, actually, Voorhees is the bad guy, but it's the mom. This is all about a mother's revenge. I know. And that's what's so great psychology-wise about this first one is that... This is your mom. You got problems. Yeah. So what's really interesting, too, is that the screenplay was completed by Victor Miller, who went on to write for several soap operas after this. Yeah. Pamela Voorhees' character, my understanding was there wasn't this intention, obviously, to have multiple Friday the 13th, right? Of course. So to think about this movie was essentially about a female serial killer right who was having taking revenge on these campers as a projection of the campers that allowed her son to drown and to what length will a mother go to seek that revenge or whatever and an older woman to boot like 1980 right like yeah it's amazing A, a role for an older woman a serial killer who's a woman Believable. Believable. Very well acted. Because a lot of those roles back in the... If you watch the the other girls, especially... Oh, God. We're not even on part two yet. No. The acting is so... Im- it, it's intentional. It, I mean, they're so bad, but I feel like that's how it's directed. Mm-hmm. You know, just let your tits flop out and scream a little bit. Like, <laughs> Pamela Voorhees was actually a sophisticated killer yes. and character. She was taken seriously. She wasn't... She wasn't erratic. She wasn't emotional. She wasn't uh, how many of these women killers, have, like we've talked about on our show before. She, especially for 1980, was mm-hmm. incredibly sophisticated. I and agree. Terrifying. I agree. I think once she enters the picture, which comes later, 
you've already been set up with all this fun. I think one of the fun things about Friday the 13th is this is actually not scary. Right. <laughs> That's one of the things I like about Friday the 13th and, and even the whole series. And we're going to actually talk about every single movie in the Friday the 13th franchise over the course of the next couple of months as part of our celebration this year of Halloween season, mm -hmm. which is our favorite season. So we're going to talk about each movie. I am actively going to rewatch the movies right before we talked about them. So we're, we're both doing that so that they are fresh in our minds. And yeah, the, one of the things I love about this particular movie is that there's suspense. There's like a buildup. There's a payoff. And, and I'm sex not, is bad. And sex is bad. And uh, you can have your favorite kills, you know, and you can watch them over and over again. And every time you're like, oh, man, oh, yeah. But I'm not scared. It's not scary. Tom Savini <laughs> was coming off Carrie. Yes. When he did this. And so what a brilliant scene at the end. I guess his, he, wanted, he wanted people to react the same way that they did, you know, the end of Carrie where she comes out of the grave. That's right. It's really terrifying when he comes out of the water. Yeah, the first time I ever saw it, and and maybe even the second or third time, because he, cause I have that, as you know from the trivia game, I have that ability to just block out information <laughs> that doesn't work for me today, like that I don't need, and, it, and then it just falls away. So that's mm -hmm. why, I, I mean, I'm really terrible at trivia because I just don't hold on to it. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people that just doesn't hold I on to like it. I have like a stupid steel trap. Like I will remember <laughs> yeah. things where it's like, why is that still up in your head? Yeah. I don't know. It just stays there. And everybody's brain works differently as mm -hmm. we know and, and different ways we grow up and stuff. And for me, I, even in my writers groups and stuff, I'm always the big picture person. Mm -hmm. If you want somebody to like keep track of the big picture of a story, I can go like, Hey, but in chapter one, this kind of happened. And in chapter 14, this was like, didn't really and work I'll be out. like page 22, fourth line down. <laughs> yeah. So I can really look at a story as a whole. It's why I kind of talk about story structure a lot mm -hmm. because I'm really looking at the structure. I do this in organizations too, like uh, in, in leadership positions. I'm like, I, I want to know the whole, the whole thing. And that's just the way my brain looks. And I'm so bad at copy editing. <laughs> I'm bad at details. I'm bad at all that stuff. So it's really helpful <laughs> yeah. in this kind of movie to have both those things, right? So you're going to remember some of the, the details the that I'm not going to remember. Yeah. He, um, that scene though, really jumps out at me. Um, no, but I think, <laughs> wah, wah, but wah. I also think that it, it again plays into the, you know, a son and his mother's love. Like he was totally. protecting her too. Totally. Like I'm, I'm not, I haven't gone anywhere, mommy kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's so just really, awful. it's really, it's really the movie itself. You, you look at it now and it's like, clearly we've come a long way. We're not like, Oh my gosh, it's Jason. And it, but the story is still terrifying. Yeah, if you really look at, if you watch the whole movie and then you kind of reflect on it and you look at really what was happening and sort of the, tra and the trauma of what that kid must have gone through and then what the mother goes through with having your, believing that your son has been drowned conceivably by his peers. And so one of the things we know, if we want to talk about the origins of Jason and his trauma, right, is that he was bullied mm -hmm. and that he had hydrocephalus, mm -hmm. right? So hydrocephalus is an abnormal buildup of fluid in the ventricles, in the meaning cavities, deep within the brain. And this excessive fluid causes the ventricles to widen, putting pressure on the brain's tissues. And so that's where you get a lot of that, that distorted head that we learn about at the very, very end when he comes popping up out of the water and we're scared. I used to always forget that part of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't forget it anymore because now I've seen it much, many more times, especially in the last few years. Mm -hmm. I've seen it like three or four more times in succession, like over and over again. So I always remember it now, obviously, but I always used to forget it. Like when I would watch that movie every 10 years, I would always forget the, that the trauma behind. I would it. always yeah, forget it. It was like I was blocking well, out the trauma. <laughs> and you're, I mean, let's be real. Most people aren't going in to watch Friday the Thirteenth for that. It's a cool part. It, it deepens the character and it deepens the story. Yeah, but but you're not going in for most the. Most people aren't like. So what happened to him when he was? Yeah, in? no. Most people aren't interested in the things. That, a lot of people are not interested in in Jason Voorhees' psychology. But here we are to talk about it, yeah. and we'll of course add that in along the way because obviously we do that for a living but we mostly have a love for these movies well most of them 
I certainly don't love them all. I have a fondness for some of them. But I also know with hydrocephalus, let's say, let's say that's what Jason has because he pops up out of the water and he has the distended head and he has some of what it looks like to be that condition. And some of the problems that we have with that condition can be obviously neurological, but it can also be developmental mm-hmm. and intellectually challenged. Mm-hmm. So we have to just, if we're, gonna over the course of all of these movies if we're gonna like lay a basis for what mr Voorhees is dealing with later mm-hmm. <laughs> we just look at that right yep there's a there's a small piece in here too where sorry what's the actress's name again who plays pamela betsy palmer thank you she talks about how she gets into the character of pamela Voorhees, and she says i began with a class ring that i remember reading in the script that she'd worn Starting with that, I traced Pamela back to my own high school days in the early 1940s. So it's 1944, a very conservative time. And Pamela has a steady boyfriend. They have sex, which is very bad, of course. And Pamela soon gets pregnant with Jason. The father takes off. And when Pamela tells her parents, they disown her because having babies out of wedlock isn't something that good girls do. I think she took Jason, did the best that she could. But it also makes sense to how then she responds to these counselors having sex, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, she was a method actor. But I think that, you know, it's really cool to kind of hear how she how she Yeah, she created a whole backstory yeah. and stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you, uh, um, many people who love Friday the 13th have watched Crystal Lake Memories, which is the complete history of Friday the 13th, which you can watch on Shudder or wherever else. It's a documentary. It chronicles the history of the Friday the 13th franchise. And if you want to go deep dive into all of the minutia of each one of these movies, you can do it in that series. And there's also an accompanying book, which is a really cool big picture book, which I own. And and it's awesome too, as well as there is now put out by Scream Factory, a big DVD collection. It has all these new like features and behind the scenes stuff for all of the F-13 movies that you can also purchase, which I also own. So there's lots of nerdy shit to do because these movies all have like commentaries and stuff on those, on those DVDs. And it's super fun to learn just, I mean, if you like filmmaking, but you also like horror, they have tons of stuff behind the scenes or whatever. So what was your favorite kill? Oh, well, I mean, the Kevin Bacon kills my favorite in, in that one. <laughs> nice. That That's the most memorable one, of course, because mm-hmm. it's it's so grotesque and it comes right from underneath. It's the amazing. It's yeah. so great. And yeah. they talk about how it, uh, the, the blood spurting out was kind of a mistake. They the tube got the tube got clogged. So the guy is underneath the bed. And Kevin is underneath the bed and then there's this like (laughs) tube that comes out that's where the blood is and where the knife's going to go through. So there's like the guy and there's Kevin and everybody's under the bed and they're going to do this thing. And (laughs) I guess the tube got clogged and so the guy had to put his mouth on the tube and blow and then the blood spurts all out and that's of course they didn't have a lot of money to do take after take of the effects so that ends up being in the movie but it's because he got clogged. Yeah. Which just makes me laugh. So I think that's a great one. I also, for Tom Savini's artistry, I also really love, in the beginning, there's that Tatum O'Neill looking girl with the fluffy brown hair. She's the one in the truck. She drives with the truck driver. Uh And then ultimately she gets her neck slit in, in the forest or woods or whatever. And it's just this really cool shot because she's up against this tree and she kind of holds on to her neck and it gets slit and it just really literally gets slit. And it, when you learn about how they did that and how they had this like fake neck flesh over it and they slit it and then she's holding it and there's all this blood and then you hear the actress talk about like the gurgling and all this. I don't know. I really like that one too. Yeah. One of the fun things about Friday the 13th is that, at least in this early movie, is that some of the kills you see and some of the kills you don't, and they become like haunted house things where somebody's running from him and then they come across a dead body. Yes. 
So some of the kills you see, some of them you just come across. And so then there's these gauntlets they run, right? Like they see someone killed and then they find a body of a friend who's killed that's hanging from a tree or whatever. And then you see someone killed and then there's another body. So you don't see all the kills. So sometimes I keep track of like which kills I actually saw Mm -hmm. and which I didn't. And it's kind of about half and half in this movie. But also we want to mention the second one, right? Yeah, so the second one directed by Steve Miner, who went on to do a lot of really good stuff. Some of it horror, some of not horror. He did The Wonder Years, he did Dawson's Creek, he did Smallville, but he did one of my favorite Halloweens, which was Halloween H2O. Mm -hmm. Um, He did House, he did Warlock, he Lake Placid, Day of the Dead. Friday the 13th Part 2, obviously we see Michael, I mean, excuse me, Jason, I was thinking Halloween. Jason, for the first time as, you know, the villain. However, he does not yet have his infamous hockey mask yet, which we will talk about as we get further into the series. So the, the franchise, again, it seemed like, you know, they weren't really quite sure where they're going with it yet. How, how, how much were they going to do, but he now takes over as the villain in this one. This one has a lot of really great kills and it's, this one is now certainly much more about Jason than it is about the campers. And much more than, it, I mean, mom dies, right? So now Jason is, he's on a vengeance. I hate the fact that they have to bring a dog into this, but I love the fact that the dog lives because the whole time here, <laughs> I, the whole, I, and when I went back and rewatched it, I'm like, oh yes, that's right. They that's find right, him at the, the end. Lives. Yeah. yeah, one of the um, cute little endings, right? As the dog shows up at the door. But some really great, there are multiple great kills in this one. Yeah, I think. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Mrs. Voorhees is dead. She's gone, so he's and, now back. And the camp was shut down. The camp was shut so down. So the premise is that the they are coming back to the camp, and they're actually using the story of the boy who drowned in the lake as like, a ooh, as a we're going to stay here as a camp yeah. time story. And then it's not just a story. I like the final girl better in this one. Yeah, I do too. So what I've always liked about this one is that well, a couple of things. It knows what it is. Right. So there's lots of ass. There's lots of tits and ass and Right. It's not apologizing. It's not, not trying ap- to be serious. It's not apologizing. There's like this one girl who you definitely see naked and you follow her ass a bunch and she's obviously Muffin. That one. <laughs> wearing a crop top and short shorts the whole time. It was nineteen eighty one. Can we just say please? I don't know. What I would be say. way more terrified if my dog got out. She's like, I don't know where Muffin is. Like for the whole day. And then she's like, she's so nonchalant about yeah. the fact that her dog's like somewhere in this. Thank God she gets killed. <laughs> yeah. It's partly age related too. I mean, I don't know. I think it was also too. the eighties and it was like, now yeah. if there was a dog missing, they would have like, yeah, you know, SWAT, SWAT but if she was so just like, Oh, I mean, I don't know if I was that old, I'd probably, balling my eyes out if i couldn't find my dog i would be too but i also know so many teenagers who wouldn't (laughs) i just i I hate how she does like that part really bothers me she's just like i don't know where my dog is okay i'm gonna go drink well i'm glad there was something to bother you in the movie because the rest of it is just fun it is though yeah right like i like this final girl better i just like her as an actress better i enjoyed the performance of this one more than in the first one and the first one, you know, the girl from the first one gets off right in the beginning of this one, right? I just, I just, I like the final scene of this movie too. <laughs> yeah. The, the window. Yes. My favorite yeah. kill in this movie is the guy in the wheelchair. Oh, that's a good one too. So the guy in the wheelchair is just about to get laid and then Jason shows up and axes him in the head and he goes rolling backwards down the stairs in his wheelchair which is absolutely no way he would make it down two flights of stairs no, he would not in his wheelchair backwards with an axe in his head but he does and he only collapses at the very end it's very dramatic and fun jason has a sack over his head in this one he looks more like a scarecrow to yeah be quite honest doesn't have his mask yeah the scene that the this the other kill scene that i like is when they actually go to the lake and the one dude gets hung upside down yes and then jason the, the, the famous machetes finally crop tops boyfriend yes crop top <laughs> goes back thinks for some reason it's a joke i'm like yeah. you would think that's funny she returns he's upside down and you know yeah she sees him there him. not dead right 
hanging and then yeah and then she goes back. oh you're so funny hey. she returns and, and she thinks he's playing a game and yeah. then he's he's gutted mm-hmm. you're right that's an amazing but we don't see that kill we just come upon his gutted body. See, like what I'm saying, like with the, right? Uh, I thought you saw the machete in that one. Did you not? No, I don't remember uh, now. Okay. We're good. What I do like is that it continues on with that, right? People you see killed and people you don't see killed, which I which I think is a cool way to go about it. And I have no idea if they're the first ones to do that, but it's like coming upon bodies for some of them. And I realize it's like probably largely do with, to do with budget because you have to... But I also think it's because they're, it could be budget, but I also think it's because we now know who Jason is. We now know that's who's out there. Right. And there's, there's this dichotomy of some of these kids are still enjoying their time partying and drinking and laying by the lake while some of their friends are getting killed. And it's almost the vantage point of the, the people who are alive that are not there as this is happening. And so all of this like stuff is happening unbeknownst to the crew that's still living. So I think there's part of that going on too. Absolutely. Do we learn anything more about his psychology in this one? I don't think so. I think this one's like straight up just now he's back with a vengeance. Yep. And maybe, maybe that's one of the reasons why it's so enjoyable too, is that there really isn't a slasher. I mean, the, the one thing I would note as we build this case over all of the movies for sort of who Jason is, is like one thing I would note is just that he doesn't have his mask yet. And so I'm, I'm, we will all be interested to know and learn and talk about how it changes once he has a mask. Correct. Now I know that the mask was just created because they thought he should have a mask or whatever one day, but we're going to make a meal out of it because that's what we do. He'll have his mask next time we talk. Yeah. So the next time we talk about this, we will be talking about parts three and four. I'm excited. I, I like a good Friday the 13th rewatch during the season. Yeah. It's congruent for me. Excellent. I like it a lot. So let's take a little bit of a break and we're going to talk about some horror watches and we're going to get to Kathy's answers that I won't know the answer to. We firmly established. That's right. That I don't know. All right. We'll be right back. All right. Let's talk about books and movies. So I, f- I found this author that I started reading last fall. Oh, nice. And I'm always looking for like a good ghost story in the fall. And I, I've, mm. I, I bought another one this year and it happened to be during our past week when it was rainy and cool out. Um, <laughs> oh, that brief period that brief where period we felt good. Felt like fall. <laughs> uh, her name's Darcy Coates. Nice. And I, I read this year, I read a book called The Fullcroft Ghosts. And it's pretty scary. I mean, she she writes, she's very simple. And I don't mean that in like a condescending way. Like I love how she writes, but it's not anything like deeply Stephen King profound. It's just a straight up ghost story. And she writes ghosts really well. So the way that she describes the house and the creaks and the smells and the, the, the intricacies of things, which is what I think as a female, I don't know. She just like has this way of, of creating this atmosphere where you're like all your emotions and senses are getting triggered. Right. That's amazing. I know that in the horror section of my, Barnes and Noble there's like 45 million books of hers yeah she there's a lot of her and so she she has a ton of books and I just I just stumbled upon her last year when I was in the horror section I was like wow she's got a lot of really great ghost stuff so this book specifically I read it in three days it's like 288 pages but the fonts are a little bit larger so you get through it fairly quickly and okay. I just I really couldn't put this one down Craven Manor took me a little bit longer It says, let me get you the definition here. Tara and her brother Kyle are sent to stay with their estranged grandparents when their mother is hospitalized. May and Peter Falcroft seem warm and charming at first, and the house hidden in the base of the mountains is idyllic. But strange things keep happening. The swing moves on its own. Peter paces around the house late at night. Doors slam and curtains shift when no one is inside. Tara begins to suspect the old house is haunted. When a storm cuts the phone line, May shifts from doting to obsessive, but an empty journal and locked room provide clues to the unforgivable lies, secrets, and decades-old murders nice. entwined with the Falcroft's, his- Falcroft's history and the ghosts 
are growing restless. <laughs> That's fun. Mm -hmm. I I actually have a few of her books. I just haven't gotten them to them yet. I was attracted mm -hmm. to the. I you had mentioned her a while back, mm -hmm. and then I was like, okay, and I'm in the horror section, and you know, there's not that many horror writers in the horror section of mm -hmm. your random Barnes and Noble that have a, are really prolific. Mm -hmm. Like, so you're you notice them right because the yeah. branding on books these days is so like they all look the same yeah. kind of. Mm -hmm. And I was just struck by how many there were. And then you had mentioned her. And so I picked up actually a couple of them, which I haven't read yet. It's the House of Shadows series. Okay. There's only yeah. two, two yeah, so yeah. far. I haven't read those I haven't yet. read them. It's like House of Shadows and House of Secrets. So I'll mm. get to those. So I'm excited cool. about yeah. that. She's, she's great for the fall. That's awesome. I'm I'm excited about that. I watched a movie called Demonic, not to be confused with D Demonic of last week. <laughs> that we confused. <laughs> that we were confused about last week. Uh, Kathy watched the 2015 movie named Demonic. <laughs> now we have a whole other and movie. I, it's been a day. 2021, Demonic. A young woman unleashes terrifying demons when supernatural forces at the root of a decades-old rift between mother and daughter are ruthlessly revealed. This is... Neil Blomkamp and he wrote and directed this movie and I have an unpopular opinion about this I guess because I'm seeing that reviewers are not liking it that doesn't mean it's not a good movie of course mm -hmm. <laughs> but the audience score isn't that great either but also it hasn't been watched that much so it's like the audience and the reviews you're reading it's like not hasn't been out more than a minute so we'll see what happens i guess over okay. time if yeah. the numbers go up as far as that's concerned but an hour and 45 minutes this is a movie where much like 2000s the cell you enter someone's brain got it you're not going into the brain of a serial killer and it's not uh vincent vaughn yeah <laughs> or vincent d'onofrio sorry so it's not quite like that. It's not like, you know, as famous and as exciting as that movie. And it's not as visually exciting as that movie because this is much more low budget than okay. that movie. But I do like when we enter people's consciousness. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you put the little cap on and you, and there's a premise for why she goes into the, the, she goes into her mother's consciousness, basically. Okay. Wow. Her mother, who is a criminal. Mm hmm. She goes into her mother's consciousness to talk to her for her own personal reasons, but the people that are allowing her to go into her mother's consciousness obviously have different reasons for wanting her to go in there. And I like that. Yeah. I, I don't know if you guys have seen the recent movie Possessor, but that has that sort of in Didn't we other, watch that together? Yeah. We did, and that's in the other that's people's bodies. Like, didn't we just we watch something like that? Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I, like, I like those kinds yeah. of movies that do that. And so I like that bit of it. I liked the creepiness of it. I I liked that we were going into somebody's consciousness. Certainly not a perfect movie. Certainly not even one of my favorite movies. I just enjoyed the hour and 45 minutes. I mean, you know, what can I tell you? I liked that concept. I liked the acting. I enjoyed the atmosphere, I guess I could say. And I like a, a bit of demon stuff. Yeah. And there was some demon stuff in this. Okay. There was a really good use of fire. I mean, fire can be a personality piece in movies, and mm -hmm. I really liked the use of fire in this. So I would say that about it as well. So cool. there you go. What else did you watch? I watched, I went the comedy route. I mean, comedy, slasher comedy route. <laughs> I'm like, um, comedy? <laughs> I watched Blumhouse's new one, Freaky, with, oh, with yeah. Vince Vaughn. I've seen that. Yeah. Uh, so four teenagers are discussing urban legends of a serial killer known as the Blissfield Butcher. Mm. The butcher breaks into the mansion they are in and promptly murders the group of teenagers before leaving with an ancient dagger known as La Dola. You know, it's fun, right? It's 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 Vince Vaughn who is hilarious playing a sixteen year old girl. Yeah, it's Freaky Friday, right? It's so. Freaky Friday with serial killer. Yep. Uh, what I like though is the twist of it is she when she takes over his body, mm. her character at the beginning is incredibly insecure and gets bullied and doesn't really realize like how cool and cute and smart and all that she is right yeah and then all of a sudden it's like she comes into school that next day and he's embodied her and she like kicks the door open and she borrows like her her sister's a cop i think and she like borrows this leather jacket and her hair's all, and all of a sudden she's like a fucking 12 right <laughs> yeah. and the whole everyone's yeah. like who because she was picked on right before the body switch i mean before right. the the spirit switch or whatever you want body switch <laughs> right and um 
what I think is cool about that whole thing, even though it's Vince Vaughn in inside of her body, right. is that it just shows you with a little bit of, you know, someone changes their their energy and their assertiveness and how everyone attends to them differently. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So, but it was fun, you know, it, and it was cute. Like the second her friends really believe that, you know, and she, when she shows up, she's embodied as Vince Vaughn. Yeah. So she's like, guys, guys, I swear it's me. And he does this whole, right? So it's He's hilarious. It's fun. That's what it is. It's that was fun. one of those ones where I couldn't really imagine yeah. anyone else doing that of movie. Of course but not. Him. No, no. Maybe Jack Black. Maybe yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Uh, that would have been great. He's really funny in, in the second Jumanji and the third Jumanji for that reason. But he, um, <laughs> I mean, it was fun. You know, I think it was probably like in the same line of like happy death day it has that just really kind of comedic you know not not quite as dark as happy death day i remember but. it being very popular yeah it was it was funny it was cute so i watched reminiscence okay I don't know if you know about this movie, but it came out simultaneously in the theaters and on HBO. It was one of those ones. Sounds Warner Brothers. Familiar. 2021. 2021, yeah. Mystery and thriller, sci-fi, Hugh Jackman. Two hours long. That's probably why. Need an edit. He kind of uh, bores me a little bit. He was boring in this. He's, he's a pretty boring actor. <sighs> I... I wanted to like this. <laughs> yeah. And maybe that's my desperation. He's a likable guy, but he's just boring. I agree with you, and I have one friend that would, you know, be like, slow your roll on that. Yeah, okay. Loves him I mean, so much, but also is a massive fan of New York theater, and he's done sure, so much New York okay. theater and been so influential in the New York theater scene and plays all kinds of wonderful musical roles, right? This movie is Nick Bannister, played by Hugh Jackman, a private investigator of the mind. Again, I was hopeful because of the mind thing. Navigates the darkly alluring world of the past by helping his clients access lost memories. Living on the fringes of the sunken Miami coast, his life is forever changed when he takes on a new client, whose name is May, played by Rebecca Ferguson. A simple matter of lost and found becomes a dangerous obsession. As Bannister fights to find the truth about May's disappearance, he uncovers a violent conspiracy and must ultimately answer the question, how far would you go to hold on to the ones you love? Here's what I liked about this movie. The first 30 minutes, but as we know, the first act is the easiest to write. <laughs> the first 30 minutes, I love the premise. That's why I had high hopes for it. It's because the first 30 minutes, I was on board. It was like memory stuff. It was entering people's minds it was you know he was this like mind investigator so it had kind of that private investigator criminal feel that we mm -hmm. kind of you know most people really like all that had a sexy girl enter the story all of that stuff and then it just fell the fuck apart yeah it got strange and dull and then there was sort of like some kind of wacky love story happening and it became more centered a little bit on that which i don't normally mind i i mean i like a love story sandy newton is in it oh uh, i love her she's yeah. lovely doesn't have the biggest part she I never don't. does no i know i mean the visuals are gorgeous yeah and there's this compelling intriguing concept and the runtime is too long and a lot of people i think liked how it wrapped up or that the, they liked the third act but I thought it fell apart after the premise, basically, after that first 30 minutes, you know, building out the story. I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Settle yeah. in, get my popcorn. And then it just sort of slowly bored bad. me to death. That's too bad. So there's that. Okay. What else did you watch? Uh, I will leave you with these two. <laughs> and I think you've talked about them before. Okay. I'm, I'm going to do another comedy nice. horror Right on. Um, the Babysitter and the Babysitter Killer Queen. Yes. These are fantastic, by are the they way. fun? And I know you talked about them a while ago, but I wanted to revisit it because Please. I had seen them. So I watched them both back to back just to refresh everybody on the first one. Preteen student Cole is bullied by his neighbor Jeremy, but his babysitter B, who is one of his only two friends, stands up for him and scares Jeremy off. The following day, when his parents go out for an overnight stay at a hotel, B and Cole spend quality time together until he has to go to bed. B offers him some liquor to drink, but he secretly pours it out when she's not looking. The next thing you know, he wakes <laughs> up, and she's having some, like, satanic circle going on in the house, and he finds out that she is part of some, like, satanic serial killing ring mm -hmm. right and i'm not going to give any more out than that but it has a sequel it's in the same family as i think as better watch out the christmas movie it has sure. that same sort of feel to it 
I think it's fun. I think it's well acted. I think everyone is either likable or if you hate them, you hate them in a <laughs> With way good that, reason, but, but also like they're still kind of annoyingly likable. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just think the, that both of these movies together are a lot of fun. And in the second one, he grows up a lot from the first one to the second one. Yeah. And so, you know, you're made to believe that the, the babysitter is dead, but obviously it's called Killer Queen. I'm not giving anything away. She, <laughs> She's she is in not all dead. the trailers. <laughs> and, you know, their relationship. And it's kind of cute because they still have like this babysitter. And yeah. The babysitted. Yeah. <laughs> city. City. The city. Um, relationship. <laughs> but now he's older and he's bigger and he's stronger. And yes. you start to figure out that all this weird like demonic shit has been happening. And. You know, he falls in love in it. And I don't know. I just, they were really fun. No, I, those are fun watch. I remember when I first watched the, the second one and I, and I watched the first one right before it. And uh, yeah, that was a great fun watch. It's a great group watch. If you watch with a lot of fun, I enjoyed those movies. And I remember there was all this discussion about like, when we saw the second one, there was all this discussion about like, which one do you like better? And so some people, I like them both for different reasons. Some people like that one, whatever. I don't even remember what I said at the time, but I'm sure I had a favorite at that moment in in the day, but. I kind of like the second one, but anyway. Well, there you go. Okay. See, I think most people, it's like, oh, I, I kind of like that one a little bit better. Yeah. Or I kind of like I think it's because the characters were like developed more. So you had an idea of what was going on. And then they really played more off of that. They totally And did. his character was more developed. So yeah, it was fun. It would be super fun if they did it more. Yeah, agreed. I like that one. I watched a comedy horror called Dave Made a Maze. Okay. Mm, 2017. Dave, a frustrated artist who has yet to accomplish anything significant in his career, builds a fort out of cardboard boxes in his living room, only to wind up trapped by, a, by the fantastical pitfalls and critters of his own creation. Ignoring his warnings, Dave's girlfriend Annie leads a band of oddball explorers on a rescue mission. Upon entry, they find themselves in an ever-changing supernatural world, threatened by booby traps and pursued by a bloodthirsty minotaur. Oh, my God. So what I got to say about this, this is directed by Bill Watterson. Oh, okay. (laughs) This seems like what? You kind of go like, huh? It is one of the more creative movies I've seen in a while. It's 2017. It's only 80 minutes long. It's on Shudder. It's called Dave Made a Maze. Here's the funny thing. So it legitimately this you it's ent- you enter the action. She comes over. She's in the living room and the guys inside the cardboard boxes like there's a massive fort in the living room of cardboard boxes like you made it for your kids. And he's inside talking to her. And she's like, what do you where are you, come out? You know, like, get yeah. the fuck out here. What are you doing? And he's like, no, no. Come in, you know, I'm trapped, blah, 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 whatever. And then literally, I'm looking at that picture right her now. Her and these other dudes, they go into the cardboard boxes to like retrieve him. And then the hilarity and the wackiness ensue. And there's all these like little creatures, and Ooh, it's this, that looks like clay. It's better than you think it is, right? Like you hear all of that and you go, uh, no. No, the pictures look fascinating. The Minotaur is hilarious. But the storytelling is pretty tight and it's really good. It's only 80 minutes. It's a fun ride. Hmm. I would really recommend it. And I had actually never heard of it before. Okay. It was one of those ones where I was like, what's this? Click. You know what I yeah. mean? Like when you do that on Shutter, where you're like, I have no idea what this is. Click. Yeah. Comedy horror. Click. <laughs> you know? And I really enjoyed it. So I, I would a lot, say, actually. Yeah, me too. And so I would say it's offbeat and it's charming and it's fun. And it's creative, and I can't say that about a whole lot of horror movies these days, really, oh, yeah. honestly, all those yeah, words. Yeah, I agreed. So, you got any more? Are we ready to go over your answers? I'm mostly ready. Okay, let's revisit. <laughs> okay. What cult movie I is, can't wait. is known to have one of the best horror movie kills of all time? And hint, it's a zombie flick. Ugh. Night of the Living Dead. That's Dawn a, of the Dead. That's a good 
Because I'm thinking of kills in those movies that I think are the best. But that's such a vague, like, that could be anything. So for me, well, this is the answer, but I agree with this answer, which is it's dead alive when when Lionel straps the lawnmower to his chest. Great one. And just a bloodbath ensues. Great. Great one. Amazing. Agree. Number two. The Vent Haven Museum and International Convention are the home to the horror villain that causes automatonophobia if you are frightened of it. Robocop. <laughs> Ventriloquist dolls. <gasps> oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think nice. there's a museum just for Robocop, but... I know, it was a joke. I know. <laughs> Number three, what are the four main ingredients in candy corn? Sugar. Ding, ding. <sighs> That's all I got. No, corn? No, just kidding. What goes in candy? Sugar... Honey. Oh, yeah, for sure. Vanilla. You need honey and sugar? Honey, yeah, that's all it is. Honey, Holy vanilla, crap. sugar, and, Van- butter, and butter. Oh, yeah, sure, butter. Number four. I'm obviously a massive baker. I am, and maybe that's why, to me, I love baking. That's why, t- I think, to me, I was like, that makes sense. I don't think I would have guessed... Honey or... The vanilla. I would oh. have guessed the honey for sure. I feel like... Because it's I, almost crystallized when you... For sure. Yeah. And I do feel like, I mean, now that you say it, of course, it makes me think like, it feels like there's a little bit of vanilla in everything you bake. Sometimes. Like, there's yeah. always a teaspoon of vanilla. Like chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which DC comic was the most popular Halloween costume of 2020? Iron Man. Harley Quinn. Because Iron Man's probably not even DC, right? Like, I'm so such an idiot with that. Harley Quinn. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Iron Man's Marvel. Yeah, that's why I get them. Yes, I know. I'm it's sorry. Easy. It's easy to get them. <laughs> I have to look it up sometimes. The nerds know, and I don't. Number five, last one. Why is Friday the 13th considered unlucky? I did not know this. Yeah, I don't, I don't know this. And I think this is kind of a cool fact. According to biblical tradition, 13 guests attended the Last Supper. Jesus and his 12 apostles, one of whom Judas, betrayed him. The next day was his crucifixion. Uh, it's all based. I had no idea it was Bible. based on the Last Supper. Who would have thunk it wasn't Jason? Myth. <laughs> I thought everything was about Jason. I thought everything Boris. was about horror. Horror. Thank you guys so much for listening. Episode two, September 2021. We are very excited about Halloween season. This episode airs on September 8th. And guess what's happening this week? We are going to to Halloween Horror Nights. Yes, ma'am. Very excited. And we are hoping to survive it, really. We will. Because it's very scary. It is. Okay. So have a great day. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.